here live. So, he's going to talk about this spiritual battle. That's kind of what Ephesians 6 concludes with, the, the, the armor of God. You've heard of this. Um, and we're going to talk about specifically how to put that on and what to do with it. What does it mean next week? But this week, we're going to talk about um, being strong, standing, right? And Paul knew what it meant to have to be strong and to stand. Paul knew because he had been beaten up before. Right? Paul had been abused. He had been tortured. He had been imprisoned. He knew what it meant to suffer a hardship in the name of Jesus Christ. Right? Not just because, you know, he was robbing banks and they put him in jail. Not because he was mean to people so he got bullied. Paul was about getting the gospel of Jesus Christ to the lost. And as a result of that, he was beaten up in life. So he's going to tell the church here, well, hey, you got to be strong. you got to stand. It's going to be hard. you got to be tough. Right? And when he tells us that, it has a little more weight. Like if I told you, hey, you got to be strong. You might be inspired momentarily, but what, I mean, I haven't really suffered a whole lot. But if a guy had like, kind of died and came back to life and he was like listen you need to toughen up you'd kind of be like whoa <laughs> wow if he fought with like lions if he had been beaten with whips if that guy came in here and showed you his scars he'd be like oh yeah, I'm kind of soft right that's how I would think here's what he tells the church he says in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10 he says finally my brethren be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. He tells them they got to be strong. And they have to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. So we're going to see this connection between our strength needs to be the Lord's strength, right? He prays for them in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16. He prays that uh, God, that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man. Got to be strong. So how does that work? How can our strength be the strength of the Lord? Right? How can His strength, because we know God is strong, right? How can that be my strength? Well, Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. So when the Holy Ghost, when Jesus was resurrected from the dead and He was on the earth and then eventually He ascends into heaven, when He ascends into heaven shortly thereafter, the Holy Ghost comes down and indwells believers. Right? We learn that in Ephesians that when you got saved, the Holy Spirit of promise comes in and seals you up. And now God, the Holy Spirit, God lives inside of you. And with that, that Spirit strengthens you. That Spirit gives you power. Romans 8, verse 10 and 11 says it this way, And if Christ be in you, <clears throat> the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit, capital S, is life uh, because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. In other words, the Spirit that lives in you is the same Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead. Talk about strength. Talk about power. Right? 
That's not just some ethereal concept. Oh yeah, there's this spirit. There's this nice kindness. The spirit of kindness. That's what I have now that I'm saved. Oh, now I can love people. Now I can not, you know, cuss people out. Now that I'm saved, like, that's the spirit I got. No, actually, you got the spirit that raised a man from the dead. You got the spirit that, that healed people, that converted your soul from heading in a trajectory toward hell, emptiness, vanity, nothingness, to a direction where your life now has purpose. That spirit that lives in you has some power, Right? It freed you and redeemed you from your sin. You say, what are you talking about? I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. But man, recognize what the Spirit can do. Do you know what the Holy Spirit can do? Do you know? Have you been saved? Do you know that you're born again? Because if you do, let me remind you that before you were saved, you were dead. You didn't deserve God's love. I didn't deserve God's love. We didn't deserve it. We didn't deserve to go to heaven. We didn't deserve friends and people who love us like this. We didn't deserve, we didn't have any right to anything good because of our, because of our sin. Our sin separates us from God who is love. Does that make sense? So when you got saved, God's Spirit did some impressive heavy lifting. He took the weight of your sin, the penalty of your sin from you. It gave you life. Does that make sense? Man. So, what it look like? Well, the Holy Spirit comes in. It's He who gives you power and He gives you strength and He gives you the ability to endure the battle for souls. That's one function that there's Holy Spirit in you giving you strength and giving you power to do. He gives you strength and power not only to be redeemed from your sin, right? His, that, that power. But He also gives you power and sustains you through the battle for souls. Your life is now that you're saved is now given seeing souls saved. That's what your life is all about. Right? You're going to go to school this week and you're going to see the people in your classes and you're going, to, you're going to think, my life, my new life, since I got saved, the purpose of it is to tell them about Jesus Christ. That's why I'm here. That's why when I got saved, God didn't just take me up. He gave His Spirit to be here to endure the battle for souls. So the Holy Spirit, He's in you. He won't leave you. But... Some of us feel weak, don't we? Some of us, we go to school and we look at those souls and we don't even think, that's a soul. Some of us look at these people and we think, wow, she's really hot. Some of us, we go in, into our classes and we think, I'm way hotter than that person. Some of us, we go into our classes and we think, I wish that person would stop talking to me. I hate them. But you wouldn't say that, but you do. Some of us, we go into our classes and we don't have the power and the strength of the Holy Spirit motivating us to love and minister to them. Instead, we go in and we don't think about the Holy Spirit at all and we go into these classes 
we don't think about the souls at all, and we feel weak, and we feel hopeless, and we feel like, what is the purpose of my life? What is the purpose of me being here at school? It's May 9th. That's tomorrow. It's May 9th. And I wish I was done, because the teachers aren't teaching anything. And the students aren't learning anything. Why are we here? Because your purpose is to tell them about Jesus. Okay, but when we're in those moments and feelings of, I just kind of feel like I want to be done. I'm with you. I understand. But consider, are we quenching the Spirit? Does the Spirit think, ah, you can take the rest of the year off. Those souls, I'll deal with them later. You know what I mean? Or are we like are we distracting ourselves? Are we ignoring the Holy Spirit's nudging and burdening for souls? Because if we do, if we quench and ignore the Holy Spirit, well, all of a sudden souls don't have as much value. All of a sudden we don't feel powerful. We don't have that power. We're just kind of going through the motions. And this is what happens when we lack a sincere devotional life and a dependence on God. We're going to feel powerless and weak. We're going to feel like, I just wish the school year would be done. And again, I feel like I could say that because I feel the same way as you. I'm telling you what I need is I need an impassioned devotional life. I need dependence on God because I feel the same way. I'm going to go to work tomorrow morning and be like, why am I here? I'm going to literally tell students, listen, you don't got to come back. Like, if you're not in attendance violation, just stay home. I'm with you. I feel it too. But hold on. Let's not settle for that. Right? Holy Spirit wants to use you. And He wants to strengthen you for that battle for souls. Here's your key point. Your strength is given by God and is realized in your devotion and dependence on God. God has already given you the strength. How does He give you the strength? You guys are sleeping. Wake up. How does He give you the strength? Where does that strength come from? What did, we, what did the Bible just say? From the Holy Spirit. If you have the Holy Spirit, you have access to all the power and strength you could possibly need to, to communicate the Gospel and then to even lead someone to the Lord. You have it all. But we don't realize it unless we're coming to the Lord in dependence, in devotion, and just saying, God, I don't have that power. I don't have the strength. I feel kind of worn out. But I want these souls to be saved. Would you use me today? All right? That's when you realize that power. It's when you get to see it. That's when you get to reckon it. In addition to strength, God gives you armor. Okay, and we're going to talk about that armor more next week. He gives you that armor that allows us to stand in the battle. So we're supposed to be strong, and we're supposed to stand. So Ephesians chapter 6 verse 11 says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may to stand against the wiles of the devil. We're called to be strong. We're called to arm ourselves so that we can stand. 
we will study uh, that armor next week. But let's look at what it means to stand. Let's look at some other verses here. 1 Corinthians verse, uh, chapter 16, verse 13 says, Watch ye, stand fast in the faith. Quit ye like men, be strong. So we're supposed to stand in the faith. Let's back up real quick. Stand fast. Do you know what that means? Does that mean like stand fast? Did I just stand fast? I did stand pretty fast. I, although I did realize we were at Bible study last night and we were throwing the frisbee out in a big like open field. This is totally unrelated, but I was running and we were like trying to, you know jump and catch a frisbee and I realized how much slower I am like I'm just kind of slow like my knees don't quite open the same speed that they used to you know what I mean mm. is that what standing fast means no Stand fast is think about it like this fast is like fastened okay if you fasten I don't know what do you fasten Seatbelts. If you fasten your seatbelt, you can't just take that off. You can't unless you click the button, but you can't just push the the seatbelt off. It's fastened. It's secure. It's grounded. It's not moving. And that's how we're supposed to stand, to stand fast, fastened in the faith. Galatians 5.1 says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty. We're supposed to stand in the faith. We're supposed to stand in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. He goes on, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. You've been free from bondage when the Holy Spirit came into your life. He set you free from sin. Right? All the bondage in your life. He has set you free. You may not have realized it yet, but you are free from that. You don't have to sin. Did you know that? You don't have to sin. You say, well, I'm going to. Yeah, but you don't have to. Yeah, but it's impossible. I'm going to. Yeah, but the Bible says you don't have to. You don't understand. I feel like I... Every time I get to that temptation, I just I cave in every time. Yeah, but you don't have to. And the reason is because the Holy Spirit has set you free. He set you free. Philippians 1.27, here's something else we're supposed to stand in. Only let your conversation or your lifestyle be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, check it out, that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. We're called to stand in the faith, we're called to stand in liberty, and we're called to stand in one spirit. Having one mind, we're striving for the gospel together. In other words, when we come into this room, it ought to be that after we get over the awkwardness of having not seen each other for a few days, it's always awkward, but then once we get a little like, oh yeah, okay, you still love me? All right, cool, yeah, great. We reaffirm one another. It ought to be that our mind is set on the same thing. And that's the gospel. Seeing souls saved. That's what we're about. That's what our mentality at the end of the day is set on. Does that make sense? And then when that's our mind, can I just add that all the other details don't really matter. Right? They don't really matter. 
Like, for instance, what do we do on Tuesday night hanging out? Man, you know, I really prefer... Okay, so for me personally, what I would prefer... What would I prefer? Every Tuesday. I, I would just love to play football. I would love it. I thought it was fish. If, 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 dude, if there's a way to fish on Tuesday night, come on. Well, you got me addicted to that hobby. Perfect. Okay, but if I prefer something, man, it doesn't actually matter. As long as whatever we're doing, when we're inviting people in, it's the gospel. Right? Can you not do your favorite activity on a Tuesday night hangout? Can you not do that? Is that okay? Can you just be content? Well, sure. Why? Because what are we accomplishing? Well, we're accomplishing getting as long as the gospel's out and then we can connect with some people man we can play we can throw a ball or we can do a funny activity or a game or whatever it doesn't really matter the details don't matter because our mind is made up man we just want to want to hear from God and have other people hear from Him we're to stand in that that one spirit so in the context of the battleground for souls, right? The context of the battleground we stand in, the world, the battleground, the world, is a broken place of confusion. It's a place of division, strife, and hurt, fighting. But the God of, of all grace, that's what God is called in First Peter, chapter 5. He's the God of all grace. And He wants to meet with you daily to mature you, to establish you, to strengthen you, and settle you by His Spirit through His Word. In other words, each day you got to stand in the faith, in liberty, in unity, and that's not just going to happen. How do you stand in those things? How do you believe God for what He wants to do? How do you grow in your walk with God? How do you grow in boldness and wisdom so that you can actually be part of the Gospel? So that you can be part of those conversations that people have? How can you do that? Because some of us, we feel weak and we feel powerless and we feel like, I could never do that. I could never tell someone about the Gospel. That's way too awkward. That's way too difficult. I don't even know what I would say. Many of us feel that way, right? Well, how do you get there? You get there by daily... Just presenting yourself to the Lord and saying, God, I need you to strengthen me, help me to stand and be part in the battle. The key point is your posture in standing, it's set in your devotion and dependence on God. Okay, so in other words, you're not going to be able to stand unless you have devotion. In other words, like, okay, Hunter, can you stand up here real quick? All right. I'm going to push you around. Is that okay? Okay. He's like, you're smaller than me, whatever. Okay. Hunter's called the stand. I'm the devil. Okay. You're representing, I'm, I'm not saying this is actually true, but you represent right now, the way you're standing, someone without a, a devotional life, okay? That's who you are. So if I'm the devil, well, I mean, it's easy. I can get him off his feet pretty easily, right? Okay, now I want you to hands out of your pocket. 
And this is called like a wrestling stance. You wrestle? Okay, get into a wrestling stance. I don't wrestle. I don't want to wrestle. No, no, no. I'm not going to wrestle you. I'm not going to wrestle you. But get into a wrestling stance. Okay. All right. You ready? Oh, dude. Look at this guy. He's for real, man. Okay, if I just... Look at that. Nothing. I'm not shoving him. I can't... I can't get him. Now, like if I tried to make a move, I bet you he'd probably like take my legs out or something. So, okay, thank you, Hunter. So, what's the difference? What's the difference? His posture, his, 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 uh, his form, his stance is different. Okay, you're going to have the apathetic, hands in your pocket, kind of just going through life, unless you, you intend on prostrating your heart before the Lord and saying, God, I'm ready. I want to stand in the faith and in the liberty you've given me. And I want to stand in unity with my brothers and sisters. I want to have this quiet time with you each morning, each day. I want to hear from you in your word, even if it's just a couple verses. Maybe it's a couple chapters. And I want to pray. And I want to have time of praise and worship where I turn on the music. My favorite Christian songs, I'm singing them to you. And God, I'm pursuing a relationship with you. And in that, your stance is changing. You're ready for battle. The battle that you're in, no matter what you do. You're in a battle. Right? Does that make sense? Okay, so practically how you can have that devotion is your personal quiet time. But also, can I include in that your corporate worship? So when you come in here on a Sunday or on a Tuesday, or you go in there on a Sunday or Tuesday, when everyone is singing praise and worship, what are you doing? What is your heart doing? Now, everybody has a tendency to just pull the phone out. But, uh, well, whatever. Okay? I'm not a phone Nazi. Alright? That's not my thing. That's not my battle. I don't care about your phone. I've taken some of your phones before. And I take the middle schoolers' phones like every week. Why? Is it because I hate your phones? No. I don't hate your phones. What I hate is distraction. Why do I hate distraction? Because what are you doing in there? What are we doing in our corporate worship time? Are we worshiping or are we distracting ourselves? And if we're distracting ourselves, man, we're missing out. We're missing out on your purpose. You're missing out on your fulfillment. And, and maybe you're missing out on just finally surrendering and giving your heart to the Lord and feeling peace and feeling joy for the first time in weeks or months or years maybe. That time of corporate worship is important. They don't just throw random things into the service. We don't just do things to do them, to make up time. We don't do that. It's important. Your corporate worship is definitely part of your devotion and your dependence on God. But also, I'm going to throw in there a time of Bible study. So, the Johnson County Bible study tomorrow, that's a part of your devotion. Will you devote your affection and your time and your energy, will you devote that to God by meeting with brothers and sisters in Christ in Bible study? Will you do, will you do that? Will you have that kind of devotion? Will you have that level of devotion, that level of sacrifice, that level of discipline? Will you submit to the structure that we are putting in place? June 17th, you need to be at Bible study. And if you're not, you're not a bad person. None of the counselors are thinking, ah, oh, there's that loser. 
If you're not there, you are missing out. We're missing out because we want you and need you there. We need you with us in the battle. But man, missing out. So let's talk about the battle for a little bit. We're going to talk about the battle we are in. And, and Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 describes it, that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. It's not a physical flesh and blood battle. But we do wrestle against this. It says, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness and high places. Okay, if you study that word principalities, what you see is that a principle, okay, a principal is a person who's in charge of a certain region. Okay, do some mental math here. Principalities. Those are people who are in charge of certain regions. We wrestle with them. It's not flesh and blood. What are we talking about here? Think about it. What are we actually in a wrestling match with? Principalities. Powers. Powers, you see in the Bible, it's like there's powers. Power is you know, given by God, but there's powers that oppose these other powers. It is very, literally, good and evil powers that are at play and at work and in a battle in real life. Things are good or bad. It, the world is actually far more black and white then we want it to be. We want it to be gray. We want to stay in the gray. And it's like, well, that's not that bad. I mean, like, abortion's not that bad. It's just like, I mean, you know. But what if? Or drugs are like, they're not that bad. I mean, it's like kind of gray. Like, it's from the earth. You know what I mean? It's natural. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Against the rulers of the darkness of this world... There are rulers of darkness of this world that we wrestle with against spiritual wickedness in high places. Y'all, there is a very real spiritual battle that we are in, and you may not even recognize it. You might not. And the reality is, if, especially if you're like an underclassman, I, I, I don't know that like you really fully how much you're thrown into that battle. I know that you're fighting battles. Young people fight battles. You're fighting decisions every day. You're going to go to school tomorrow and somebody's going to offer you or they're going to say something to you. It may not be that they offer you crack cocaine. They probably won't. But they might, they might present to you an idea that feels a little gray. And you have to choose, am I going to take what the Bible says about this gray topic or just what they say or what I feel? You're in a battle. Does that make sense? There's a student, there's lots of students, but there's a couple in particular that they come to my classroom, they present issues that are controversial, the gray issues. And they're like, Gracia, what do you think about this? I'm like, well, here we go. The Bible says... And they get heated and, they, and we go back and forth and we're sparring and we're wrestling a little bit. And they know that I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm like, I'm not gonna actually argue and fight with a child. But they have questions, and I'll gladly answer those questions, and and we can go back and forth. I'm not above that. I love that. It's great. Okay, but where is that coming from? 
I once said to one of these students, I said, who taught you what you know? Like, what the heck, bro? Who's in your ear? Because it's just nonstop, crazy, stupid, worldly, carnal thinking. Like, who is teaching you? She's like, nobody taught me. I'll do my own research. Oh, okay, wow. Someone's teaching people. Because you don't just grow up thinking the thoughts that your peers and maybe even you have. They don't just come into your mind. Does that make sense? There's a war. There's a battle. And we're part of it. But here's a quick application. There's also for us, there's a fight to fight the right fight. There is a fight to fight the right fight. There is a fight to fight the right fight. Does that make sense? It's springtime. And every spring I give my students at work the spring fever conversation. And all I say is, listen, you guys, there's, there's a disease going around called spring fever. And it'll get you. And what you'll notice is that girls and guys alike start wearing less and less clothes. And why is that? It's because they want more attention. And I pretty unashamedly say that. Modest is the hottest. Okay, and there's girls at at my school they're wearing like the belly necklaces. You know what I'm talking about? I tell all the girls, I'm like, girls, you know, cover your belly up. Like, quit it. What are you doing? Cover it up. I don't care if you wear a belly necklace. Wear all the belly necklaces you want. Wear 10 of them. I don't care. Keep them covered up. I don't want to see them. Okay, why? Why? Well, because... Because, and, you know, the weather is warmer. Like, I'm not saying you have to wear parkas all year round. I'm not saying that, okay? I'm not some weird, there's no dress code in here. Let me just clarify. There's no dress code. I'm not just, like, thinking, okay, how am I going to tell this kid they need to wear more clothes? Like, well, I'm not worried about that. But you worry about it. Okay, why? What is happening? Well, people are starting to get on the prowl a little bit. Little boys are going to come sniffing. But beyond that, beyond that, there's contentions that rise up. There's a lot more fights in the spring. Right? We're coming we're coming out of the winter, we're socializing more, maybe we're playing, we're excited to be done with school. Dude, there was like four fights in one day. So there's like all kinds of fighting happening, right? All kinds of fighting. Well what is that? Okay, let me just clarify. Someone comes up and slaps you in the face, you should probably defend yourself, okay? I'm not saying, I'm like, yeah, okay? If somebody comes up and attacks you, well, you should probably protect yourself. Okay, but 99% of the time, when a contention arises between you and another kid at school, I mean, come on. Really? You're going to fight them? You're going to fight them? That's going to solve all your problems? I mean, come on, is it? I mean, but isn't it easy to like go to war? Maybe just maybe it's just verbal. Maybe it's just like you know back and forth online, or maybe it's uh, you know you, you you mean mug each other and you're walking down the hall and you stare them, you look them up and down, you say, "Jeff, why charge your kids?" Yeah, okay, you're all passive aggressive. Don't lie. Okay, 
Is that the battle? Are you in contention with other people? Or maybe sometimes it's actual physical fighting. Maybe you get into physical fights. I can tell you, there's a tendency, especially this time of year, to be flustered, to be frustrated with people, to be contentious, and maybe even physically fight. I got to break up a fight this week. That was pretty exciting. I was famous on TikTok. They made a meme out of me. It was cool. But it was actually really grievous. It actually hurt my heart a lot. Because it was between two girls who are really sweet, who come into my classroom every day, who have heard the gospel, who have been loved, who need to be saved. They are lost. Very lost. And then they got caught up in a moment. They got caught up in a moment. There, There was trash talk. There was drama. And they got lured in. And they got into a a petty little fight that resolved nothing. What did it do? It created more problems. Now, a spirit of fight is fully biblically appropriate. You should have a little fight in you. Don't be a docile little slug on a log. You ought to have a little fight in you. Because the world is pursuing and winning souls to hell. I mean, it's so easy to get people riled up, distracted, fighting, contentious. It's critical that we fight the right fight and we use the right tactics. Okay, you ought to be a fighter in one sense. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 24 and 26. I got some keys for our fight. 2, 24 and 26 says, And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, that's ready to teach, patient and meekness. you got power, but you don't have to use it. Instructing those that oppose themselves. If that peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. The key, our fight is productive, not destructive. You need to go to school tomorrow and start a fight. You need to go start a fight. And some people are going to go start a fight. There are going to be fights at your schools this week. Maybe. Maybe not all your schools. Some of you are going to maybe witness them. Some of you watch them on your phone and, and you love, you, you, like, you thrive off of watching people fight in the videos. Dude. That's like, you're infatuated in the wrong fight. But you need to go start a fight. But that fight is to build people up, to love them, to instruct them. Because the people who are reactive, these girls who fought and brought us on my classroom, That didn't just happen in a bubble. Why were they so eager to fight? Because they're hurting. If one of you talked trash on me, that would hurt my feelings. It would. Because I love you guys and I believe you love me. And so if you said something bad about me or about my family, that would hurt my feelings. Okay, but at the end of the day, we have to be mature enough to realize, you know what? They said that. Maybe they meant it even. But why'd they mean it? Or why'd they say it? Why are you attacking me? Like, probably because there's something going on. Some kind of hurt going on. 
Okay, so if you talk trash to me, I could just say, let's fight. Me and Hunter are going to take you out. Or I could say, maybe we should talk. Now, I'm not saying if someone wants to fight you, you just try to sit down and talk with them. You should probably leave them alone. But other people who are hurting and it's directed at other people, you can absolutely enter into a situation and say, man, what's going on? Why are you upset? And kids respond to that. You say, that'd be awkward. How could I start a conversation like that? Bro, people are weaker and needier and hurting more than we, more than we realize. And if you just reached out to that angry kid, to that quiet kid, to that kid who has marks on his arms, or to that girl who wears the same clothes every day, if you just reached out and said, what's going on? They might open up and respond. And that's your fight. That's the fight you should go start tomorrow. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 and 20 to 27 says, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all. Everybody runs when you're in a race. But one receiveth the prize, so run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown. But we, an incorruptible. So we're in this race. We're in this fight. We're in this competition. And it's not between us. It's a competition us versus principalities, powers. Us against the power that has the hold on people's souls. It's us winning, trying to strive to win souls. Right? And here's how we do it. He says, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly. So fight I, not as one that beateth the air. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. Here's your key. Our fight is intentional, not reactive or sloppy. Don't just roll up to school tomorrow and say, Hey, you want to get saved? Like, maybe get to that question after you ask them their name. Or how about, man, when somebody, when somebody says something to you, when some, when some situation happens, maybe it's when uh, you just see an open door and you get to go sit next to someone and, and, and start a conversation with them or get to know them as a friend or maybe they're on your team and you just happen to be in the same area and you're at practice one day. Man, you should be intentional. You should be intentional with what you say, with what you invite them to. And if you just go into it not knowing what you might invite someone to, chances are it's going to be really awkward. So we got those cards back there. Here's what you can say. Here's how you can be prepared. Intentional. To fight the fight tomorrow. Have a handout. Write when the next Bible study is. Put your number on it. And then say, hey, can I invite you to a Bible study? Maybe you have conversation with them before. Hey, can I invite you to a Bible study? My mom and I can come pick you up. Or I grew up and I drive now and you, I can pick you up. That was a subtle dig at those of you who can't drive. But I love you in Jesus' name. Right? You can go and you can invite them and you have something very intentional to invite them to. Or maybe it's to church. Maybe you grab a, 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 an invite card from and they're at the Connections Council. But we have to be intentional. We have to be organized. We have to be... Mm, sure-footed and we have to be accurate with the moves and the, and, the, and the jabs that we're taking at winning souls. You can't just show up and expect things to work out. Does that make sense?
You have to be intentional with your prayer. What are you praying for? What are you trusting God for? Is there anyone in your life specifically that you know needs to be saved, that you know needs to hear the gospel, or maybe they've heard the gospel, maybe, maybe you've had conversations before and you know that it just needs to continue to be watered, they can, need to continue to be loved, they need to be con, uh, continually invited, maybe it's that person. Are you going to pray for them? Let's be intentional. Does that make sense? Are there names that are flooding your head right now? I can think of one, two, that kid's always around, I should probably be intentional with him. Who are the people that you need to go start a fight for? First Timothy chapter 6, verse 12 says, Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. This fight, it's a good fight of faith. It's a matter of faith, not flesh. That's your key point. Our fight is a matter of faith, not flesh. You're going to roll in. It's not about starting a debate or an argument with somebody. Usually nobody wins that. My kids asked me with the fight outside my room. They were like, all right, Grace, sure. So who won? Who won the fight? And there was a clear and obvious winner. I mean, this girl just, she stole on her. I mean, she, the bully got beat up. We'll just put it that way. They said, Grace, who won? I said, nobody. They both lost. They both lost. They both suspended. They both created more problems. They were automatically talking trash to each other on social media right after. Kids are making songs and memes and they're making fun and they're hazing and they're being jerks to these girls. Both those girls lost. They lost. One of them probably won't come back to school for another year. They lost. And that was the one who won. She didn't win. Okay, you know how you win a fight? You get someone to, to see by the Holy Spirit's power and strength in you and you're standing and you're ready and you enter into a conversation and you're prayerful and you're intentional and you communicate the gospel and their eyes become unblinded and they see the gospel for the first time and they hear it and they understand it and they want to respond to it and then they get saved and they come to church with you and then they get mentored by you and all of a sudden you want a soul. That's how you win. That's the fight we want to win. What else is there? What else is important? I can't think of anything. Next week we're going to talk about arming, armoring ourselves, right? This week, I want you to think about, are you going to start a fight? Are you going to stand? Are you going to have a devotional time in the morning? Ephesians 6.13, the last verse, says, Wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. We're going to talk about putting armor on. But we're going to close, and as I said last time, we're going to close differently. So Naomi's going to come up here and she's going to lead us in a song. Tech team will get the song pulled up. You guys can coordinate whatever song we're going to do. But if you need to respond, if you know you're not in the fight, if you know you don't have a devotion to the Lord, if you know that you haven't been submitted to Bible study or to whatever, whatever you, however you need to plug yourself in, we want to give you time to respond to that.
I'm going to give you a moment to, to do something awkward like come down and pray. That's kind of awkward. That's okay. So um, maybe Dan is posted up in the back. If you want to go back to Dan, he'll pray with you. Philip's back there. Kylie's going to come down here with me. And uh, we're going to sing a song. Come on up. You lead us, Naomi. We're going to sing and then, and then we'll be dismissed. But if you need to come pray, come on down. Okay, I'm going to pray for us. And Naomi will start. You can just start whenever you're ready. And uh, we'll wrap it up. Father, thank you for your word. And God, we, uh, we acknowledge that there is a battle, that there is a fight, and that we're not strong enough to win it on our own. God, I like to, I, I want to speak on behalf of everybody here that we want to be part of the battle. We want to be used by you. But oftentimes we feel unsure of how to even enter in. How do we get off the bench and get onto the, to the field to play? How do, we, how do we pick up you know, the weapons of our warfare? How do we engage in prayer for souls? How do we get a heart and a burden for souls? How do we see people the way that you see them? Because maybe we feel lethargic and apathetic, but we don't want to. So God, would you help us even now to just be humble, to come forward, to step out in faith and uh, respond to your word. So God, lead us in this time, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.